Hey guys, Ian here with another episode of Unleashed and Unhinged, the podcast where we talk about all things dog. Dog training, dog behaviour, dog health, literally anything you can think about when it comes to dogs, we'll talk about on here. We hope you enjoy the episode. so much for uh, tuning in everybody today we've got carly clark from super woofers welcome to the show carly it's great to have you on hello 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 how are you yeah i'm good thanks mate how are you how's your day fabulous it's um tazzy was 26 degrees today so uh good 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 day in tazzy nice <laughs> i think we i haven't checked the exact temperature but we've had a good day i put a hoodie on in this this morning it came off by mid-morning that's always a good sign no t- tazzy though you have to wear your tuxedo which is your puffer jacket and then underneath you have to have a t-shirt because it can do either or is that the ta- tasmanian tasmanian tux yep puffer jacket <laughs> brilliant <laughs> <laughs> i did not own one i never owned one and i refused to until i got here and it's just it's apparently acceptable so i now have one apparently the canadian tux is double denim Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought it was that. going to be Lumberjack, but apparently not. <laughs> Canadian friends disagree. Um, tell, me, tell me more about um, Superwoofers. What, uh, what do you do? What's, cool. um, yeah. So Superwoofers started as a dog walking company initially uh, in London. I was a menswear buyer for years, corporate life, hated it. Well, actually, that's not true. I just wanted to get out of it. And I wanted a dog. And so I got a dog who was supposed to be able to come group dog walking with me. And probably like almost every trainer in the world, the dog was not the Disney dog I imagined. And that got me into training because no one else wanted him. He was wild. I stupidly agreed to foster this wildling. Um, and then we found a home for him. And then they gave him back. <laughs> and, then, and within four days, I may add, and then he ended up with me and I just couldn't say goodbye to him, basically. So whilst doing that, trying to help him, then you get into that rabbit hole, don't you? Of like, oh, why is he doing that? And then that's it. You're kind of hooked, aren't you? You either get hooked or you don't. Um, and I'd say most trainers have a gateway dog that get them into training. And he was my gateway dog. And then from there, I moved to Tassie and just kept on, just kept on training, just rebuilt my business up four years ago. Now I kind of specialize in something a bit different. I've chosen to niche down into puppies. I do assistance dogs and I do therapy dogs as well. Oh, cool. I yeah. mean, I, I was aware of the puppies. I wasn't aware of the assistance and therapy dogs. That's really yeah. cool. I don't really market them, to be honest, because I work for a couple of companies through the for assistance dogs. And I just take on clients when I have sort of spaces so it's not like an ongoing that people apply for the spaces if that makes sense but yeah. I, don't, I don't really need to market them and I don't they're not a big percentage of my business mostly my business is um puppies yeah that's awesome and mm-hmm. with, with uh with the puppies mm-hmm. so talk about like I'm just uh before I, I've got a few things running through my head but I'll make sure I'm not jumping any guns but so the listeners actually get some get a bit of context before <laughs> what that was going through my head um what sort of services do you offer so I see your puppy school out there a lot which is really cool yeah so I used to do puppy classes 
Um, I don't do puppy classes anymore. I just do puppy one-to-ones. That's it. And I built an online puppy school. Um, basically because the venue we had for puppy classes, just uh, it changed hands. And if I'm honest, I couldn't be arsed with the admin of like yeah. finding people, doing it. And then I have commitment issues, hands up, commitment issues. So I don't book my clients for very long at a time. You know, like, so if I have a client, I'll book the next two appointments. I will, I don't book any further than that. I like to always have a clear diary. I don't know why. It's just a thing. <laughs> well, puppy classes for me were always like, oh, if one person can't make it and you have to, you know, if you've then got to work around, you know, like four people, six people, however many are in your classes. And for me, it was just too much of a, too much admin. Yeah. So, yeah, so whereas one-to-one, I think where I thrive, I think where what I do best at is that tailored individual advice with one person or two people with their specific puppy. And in a puppy class, for me, I was finding that I was, just couldn't manage my time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like a 45-minute a class turned like three yeah. hours later. And per person. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I yeah. can completely relate to that. I have not run a puppy class myself for five, six years for yeah. those reasons. I mm-hmm. I just was so bad at delegating. I just dive in and zone in on one puppy and I'm like looking around, I'm like, oh no, what have I done? Yeah. Yeah. And it's always the puppy that seems to like need the most help. You feel like you need to help that puppy. And then the other the ones that are doing well, I was oh yeah. I just I don't know. I think you always kind of connect a little bit better with some of the puppies. And then you do just naturally before you know it, you spent more time with them and yeah, your class is an hour and a half and the next class is turning up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what are the main, um, so do you use your puppy school to mm-hmm. educate your one-on-ones? Do they have access to that? So this is, so my the puppy online one. online one. So I do a couple of things. I do train with you and train for you. So train with you is just what what we would consider like a normal uh, consultation. And then the train for you is where every four, roughly every four consultations, I catch up with the person to hand over stuff. So I do, the, I do the work for them. I go collect the puppy. We do the work, feedback to them every so often. Um, and so it's two, two different things. And then the online puppy skills are actually quite new. Um, it probably feels like it's been around certainly does in my head for being just ages but it's only I've only really done two of them I only launched it properly I did my beta course three months ago something like that yeah um so now I'm trialing especially for the train for you guys uh giving them access to the course and a few of them have access to it and it works better because it means I don't have to do massive reports which i that's the part of dog training i hate is the the you know all the admin and the stuff like that so i've got like a library of videos that i used anyway prior to having it all set up as a course and so i'm as well setting it up as a course <laughs> and yeah. then i can sell it to other people yeah, yeah nice nice i feel like it's a good move niching you know um mm. become really good at what you do i um yeah yet to do that but I've got a team that are mm-hmm. very good at that so each one's kind of got their area of like what they're good at um mm-hmm. and typically that kind of then leaves uh for lack of a better word the nutcases in my hands um so I end mm-hmm. up working with like the more severe cases um which is but normally then 
and by, I guess by default, I've ended up working predominantly with aggression, reactivity, and resource guarding. Mm-hmm. Um, just, um, I, I do enjoy it as well. Like that is my yeah. thing. Like, yeah, that's most fun. Um, mm-hmm. I put me in front of a puppy and I'm like, I know it, but then translating <laughs> it, like, oh, no. Yep. Yeah. What are the what are the main things that you see puppy owners come up against? Oh, geez. So I would say what always what what generally happens is puppy turns up to the house. Puppy's like a angel, and when they first arrive, they're not necessarily not necessarily the most independent little thing, and so people assume that that's how it's always going to be. <laughs> so they don't necessarily sign up to training. They wait until there's you know, there's problems and then they sign up to training. So for me, what I'm trying to educate people on is get your, get the training in straight off the bat as soon as puppy arrives, because anything you get in before they turn into that teenager, you've got a better chance of keeping it. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd, yeah. So I'd say puppy biting is probably the biggest thing. That's the biggest call I get. I've even had an email that was just literally titled attack puppy help. yeah I was like oh shit these people these people I didn't have space for them but I made space for them (laughs) where where was the comma there was it no there was an exclamation mark (laughs) (laughs) yeah and they went wrong the puppy was a bitey little bugger do you know what I mean so but I get it was just lack of naps you know it's just lack of um you know a schedule yeah Uh, Yeah. a work a working breed Loves movement with kids running about. Yeah. And being like, retired. That being proactive thing for puppies for me is so important. Like, because yeah. um, like, as you, and you, well, no, I'm preaching to the choir here, but like, <laughs> if you, just because it's going well, if you don't have a structure and a schedule and some mm. sort of plan in place, then it's going to, well, the, the puppy's going to, learn a lot of things that you never intended it to learn yeah but also it's it's also the early stages of developing communication skills so that if and when the shit does hit the fan you can go hey buddy come on over here and try this without having to grab the puppy and without having to put hands on the dog Mm -hmm. and it, that's like the perfect storm as you know like the the lack of preparedness the lack of schedule creates basically this tornado of dog of dog yeah. and then you're left going try now i need to communicate with you but mm-hmm. i have zero ability to do that without uh, verbally and yeah. so it just leaves people it's up too late great. yeah yeah and i find that people the people that find who end up with problems first are usually people with children. They spot it first because yeah. children are like high energy and that obviously amps a puppy up. It's super easy to amp a puppy up, like anything amps them up and then they're overtired and then they're bitey. And then it's, so if you've got kids, it happens fairly early on. I get the, the emails, help attack puppy. They're usually people with kids uh, of an age where the kids are still running about. For yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's even more important for people who have kids to get that in straight off the bat, get that routine established because they'll have a routine with their own kids. It's just, you've got to marry that up with your puppy stuff. Absolutely. Like you, you've, um, you've said something indirectly a couple of times, which is something that I absolutely like hundred percent agree with. Um, and I'm just going to get you to dive into it more and it's that overtiredness. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because it's, Oh God, 
they just need to sleep. It's uh, it's. I think what I love when I go into people's houses, especially the ones who already have nap routines for their kids, is that little light bulb that goes bing when you say, so you know when you take your kid out to the supermarket and then you bring them home and then they've got so many things in their day, they become overtired and then they just, you know, they lose it. They have, yeah. you know, they have a little meltdown. That's what's happening with your puppy. And you know how with your child, you preempt that by, okay, so kid gets tired at three. We know his nap is at two. And you, we've all have got those friends where they've been at a party or they're, you know, they're out with you and they're like, oh, we need to, we need to make sure that we're home by this time because the kid will be up at this time or they're doing this time or the, you know, they have to leave coffee in the afternoon because little, you know, Reg has gone over his nap time and he's going to be a nightmare. But they just don't associate that with the puppy. And the second that you say to them, it's exactly the same. You see the light bulb going off. Yes. And then it's like, oh, holy shit, I was supposed to be doing that with my puppy as well. You mean yeah. my puppy can't regulate himself at this age? You mean he's just like the kid that if we left him to regulate his own sleep, he'd sit and watch TV all day? Yes, he would. He would stay up. He gets FOMO. He just wants to be involved in everything. You get you get these, and I've literally got both extremes in my house. And you'll get some people go, "Nah, that's crap. That's bollocks." My my dog mm. always always sleeps and rests. But it's and, and my my advice to them is, or not, it's not even advice. It's just good for you. Like <laughs> your dog, you didn't train that though, mate. <laughs> I've got one dog that I can take zero credit for in this regard, mm-hmm. and. On my personal Instagram, nobody's ever going to find that one, but there's a little um, highlight thing that all it says is sleeps anywhere because that's just what he does naturally. He notices things and goes, mm-hmm. I don't care, I'm going to sleep. Yeah. And as a consequence, he's got really good emotional regulation. Mm-hmm. He is not well-trained, but he is the, I'm going to put inverted commas there for listeners, like he is the best behaved dog in the world. But yeah. that is not because he's well-trained, it's because he's got solid emotional regulation, which comes mm-hmm. from a really good, healthy sleeping pattern. Whereas yeah. my other dog is the polar opposite. And he's just like, he's got this, like, he's got the equivalent of like an addictive personality, right? He's mm-hmm. just a high dopamine dog that notices every little change, every little movement, mm-hmm. every little sound. And his little nervous system just goes ping, 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 and notices everything. Mm-hmm. And... It could be. So we wake up, I wake the dogs up at the same time. We go uh, do the same thing in the morning. And after about three hours later, one of the dogs naturally has just closed his eyes, slept it off, and he wakes up three hours later and goes, I'm in the mood for anything, mate. Whereas the other one is after three hours, he's like, ah, just screaming at everything. I'm like, but he's the one, and this is where I think people trip up. He's the one that looks energetic. Mm-hmm. So people okay. try to try, they try to burn more energy out yeah. of these dogs, and they end up just fanning the flames because yeah. they're looking at agitated and sensitive rather than really energetic. Yeah, it's so common in puppies as well. Is when you go, you know, people are generally at the end of their tether, and they're like, "But I've, but I've done. He's done so much today. He's done. I've thrown a ball for him up and down the garden." Or I've even walked him around the block twice or whatever. And you're like, okay, we're going to stop that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do something that gets their nose down and engages their brain. 
And then obviously you have to go through, you know, an explanation around sort of stress stacking and how high arousal activities just before you try and put your, you know, your kid down for a nap. It's the same thing. High arousal activities with your with your puppy, they're just not going to sleep. And then you miss that nap, that nap, and then you do end up with that vicious cycle. And um, so for me, I get my clients to go through like a really strict kind of settling down routine. So a lot of people will amp the puppy up, they'll tire them out, and then they'll be like, right, we're going to put you in your pen, but the dog's not quite ready. So I get them to go through like a few steps of, you know, like a little bit of training, make sure they're not tired, make sure they're not hungry, make sure they don't need the loo. And then we put them in for, you know, a chew and then we sit with them for a bit and then we will leave them. Mm. So it's just like settling down a kid. You know how we no longer believe it's ethical for, you know, letting them cry out. Exactly the same with puppies. So, yeah. um, yeah. Yeah, it, I think it's switching switch, switching the script on puppy care, I think, is what we're trying to do. I, I couldn't agree more. Like, you know, you mentioned to tie it back into what you said earlier, the the point when people make the phone call is when, uh, you know, they're, they're yapping and cr- crying mm-hmm. or mouthing or turning into that land shark. And it's really hard for people... I get it. Like it's going to be hard for people to see that that's not the problem. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the sim- that's the symptom of the underlying problem. Yeah. And when we try to sit down with somebody and talk to them, like I appreciate that you've got a velociraptor in your living room and your kid <laughs> is currently bleeding from his ears, but I need you to concentrate on sleep. Like that's not yeah. what they want to hear. <laughs> but mm-hmm. it's but it's the only long term solution. Yeah. Like. You've got, yes, you have to manage it. And yes, you've got some training to do on relationship building, but you can do all of that. But if mm-hmm. you're not asking them to sleep more, um, yeah. you, you're not actually just, you're just going to go around on this merry-go-round of shit for yeah. a long time. And, and the- even, even then at times where, you know, there's a, there's a point where they go through teething and they actually find it really hard to sleep anyway. So they're actually, it's also, so sometimes you'll go in and you the you get a call a week later and they're like, yes, my puppy's sleeping and it's all we've had a drop in biting. And then it's like, so now I need to tell you that yeah. biting's going to get worse. The yeah. puppy's not going to be able to sleep. And so it just depends when they call you because I can I can if I get in there like at 10 weeks and then I set the puppy up and he's great. So by 12 weeks, he's like, oh, he's getting naps, he's doing everything right. And then 12 weeks starts teething, it's all fucked again, isn't it? It's like, yeah. and they're like, oh, it's not working. So you, it's managing their expectations that that is going to happen, basically. Uh, I expect, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's so, the expectations on puppies is, it is always astounds me. It's like, he should understand this by now. He's four months old. Mm. I'll need you to stop and think about what you just said. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Take a seat. There's going to yeah. be a while. <laughs> I mean, it's funny as well like as you just as exactly what you were just talking about right before i was on this call i'm on um on a zoom with a client and last week it was uh reggie is reggie's howling reggie's barking reggie's mouthing and this week it's he's doing so well well done what one yeah mm-hmm. let's acknowledge the win yes reggie well done, mate. But, but he's also still a puppy, and next mm. week is probably going to be back to Tornado Reggie. Um, and it's 
And it's just like, yeah, let's not get caught up and let's not, you know, the, the low moments, it doesn't mean the world is ending and the high moments, mm. let's not get carried away with them either. You kind of just have to take the rough with the smooth, but it's really hard because often when yeah. puppies are sleep deprived, so are the people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know that's so true. And then Reggie get, hits six months, doesn't he? So his teething's over and then six months happens and then it's like, oh, teenage Reggie. Yeah. So it's preparing them for that. And uh, when you've got large breed puppies, you sort of mentioned there, he's still a puppy. When you've got large breed puppies, they look like a big dog. So people also yeah. don't see the puppy in front of them. You know, they've just, they've just got a big dog there. Yeah, so that I think, perception of like, oh, my, this dog is an absolute monster. You know, he, mm. uh, uh, same deal, like I'm working with a five-month-old GSP. And mm. he's an awesome dog. Mm-hmm. And he's a really well-bred working line GSP living in a house. And <laughs> it's like, he is exactly what he's meant to be. Yeah. Um, but he my doesn't attack, look like a puppy. My attack puppy email was a GSP. <laughs> I love them, and I've had uh, a cross GSP spaniel in my in my my um, my dog that got me into dog training mm-hmm. uh, was uh, mostly spaniel, but had GSP in her. And yeah, there is a lot of dog. Um, mm. Yeah, like, I, lo- I love the gun dogs, but I mean, we know that gun dogs are more predisposed to separation stuff because of you know they're bred to work with people. And um, yeah, I, I, I find them, they, they really want to work, you know, even as a puppy and those ones. So I've actually, I work with a lot of visas at the moment. I don't know why. Um, explosion of visas in Tassie. And uh, they're really hard to put down for a nap. You know, like people are, they amp them up. They're so easy to amp up. And then yeah. it's like, oh, but he, he doesn't want to go in his crate or he doesn't want to go in his pen. And it's like, yeah, but that's because he's not crate or pen ready. You know, yeah. you haven't you haven't brought them back down. You brought yeah. all those chemicals back down, and then settled them down, and then put them. Yeah. So and that, that um, it's also so normal to have not established the relationship and the communication pattern, like with a working dog. So having like grown up in the UK in the country, mm. like Lola was a working breed, and so. While she never really went um, yeah, shooting or anything like that, but mm. we did treat her like a, a working dog in the, regard, in the sense that uh, what we did was create context around when she was working and when she was off duty. So on duty, mm-hmm. off duty. Mm-hmm. But it didn't happen overnight. That took, that took months to actually develop that communication. So there mm-hmm. were cues, like when you're in the house, uh, when I sit on my sofa, when, we, when you're upstairs, you are off duty. You're, we don't work mm. here. So we had to really clean. Uh, when I say clean the house up, what I mean is like, let's not leave um, stimulating things in places where we want her to relax so that she mm-hmm. can actually learn clarity around that. But there was other moments where it's like, you are definitely on duty right now. So if, if the lead comes out, uh, if, you, if we pull up by, by our rugby club, uh, and you're going to get, she knows she's going to get to run around. But mm-hmm. what, what we did was clean up the cues so that she knew she, she always had mm. clarity. And I'm looking at that, looking back and my mo- most of my memories are, man, she was amazing because she understood so well. But in hindsight, that one 
took me ages to even know existed yeah. and then two to teach it yeah so that's the, so this is the this is the truth though about dog training isn't it even when you go into a house and you will write a training plan for them you know i say to people this is the gold standard in terms of what maybe you'd want in your day for your dog but this isn't going to work for you. So I'm not going to write you at eight o'clock, nine o'clock, 10 o'clock thing. You have <laughs> yeah. to fit this into your life because your dog is learning 24 seven. So it's not that you train for five minutes here with your puppy, you train for five minutes there. It's they're learning from you constantly. So you may as well reward them for the things that you want to see more of. And yeah. you don't always have to train management, especially at puppies, especially management is the, oh my God, that's the best weapon ever. You know, you don't. You do not need to train every single issue because a lot of them they, they do actually grow out of. Um, you know, like teething and stuff, though. You know, like they do. They do eventually not have pain in their mouth, so you don't. So, so like management, you you absolutely don't have to train every single thing and put in like a training program for every little issue. Yeah. Just yeah, management is yeah key. That um, the notion that well this is real life and they've got to learn seems to make people not want to do management for some reason. Mm, I'm like, mm-hmm. like mate, manage it. Like, I know. You, you got, especially like for context, like me and you, we're working with pet dogs mm. where the whole point of it is for both parties to just live a happy life. Yeah. The, there seems to be sometimes that notion of like, nah, they've got to, they've got to work for this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why? I know. <laughs> my husband used to give my dog a chicken at home just for looking handsome and i'm like yeah that's good yeah and was that pre-marriage mm-hmm. no was that no, no that was post-marriage because no. i mean that's the that's the stuff that you know because emma my wife is similar mindset and i'm like but upon meeting her she had that mindset i'm like that's the girl i want to marry <laughs> she gives chicken to the dog just because he looks cute yeah right <laughs> Love like, it. just be nice like don't be an ass yeah just be kind i know that's the truth isn't it yeah it's no, like a massive, and i think as well like there'll be some people going uh but that's and i'm gonna i'm just gonna make the distinct like distinction there's a huge difference between being kind and permissive Right. Like we're not mm-hmm. saying, oh, just let them get away with anything. That's the opposite was what yeah. we're saying. We're saying put structure in, but you can do that without being a dick. Yeah. Because structure is kind though. Yeah, like, exactly. Like if you you know, like your first day of a new job, you go in there. If you didn't know the rules, you'd just be walking about like a dick, feeling really awkward, not knowing what to do, you feel stressed, and then someone says, Oh, this is what we expect of you today. How yeah. much better do you, like, you're like, oh, thank God. Right, fine, I'll go and do that. So it's not that you just get to walk about and do nothing for the day. You don't feel stressed about it. It is, you know, structure is kind in terms of settling your dog as well. Absolutely. Like when I, I was, um, before I was in my previous life, uh, before I was working with dogs, I was a Sparky. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember being an apprentice and I was fortunate enough to have some really good mentors that, mm-hmm would coach me, hey, when we get on site, this is what you need to wear. This is when you need to turn up. This is what you mm. need to be doing. This is going to be the first job. This is how you do the first job. And they coach me. Mm-hmm. I also had some really shit ones that like shouting at me for getting it wrong. But I'm like, I had no idea what you wanted. 
All yeah. I was, what I was doing was what the previous good mentor had coached me, but apparently you wanted, you had different expectations. Yeah. Sorry. Like, and I, re- I really remember those lessons and I hated those blokes. It's yeah. just like, you're shit to work with. You just You'd avoid them, wouldn't you? It's like, yeah. 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 You do it because you got paid maybe at the end of the day, but you put up with it. But then just like, <gasps> if you had a choice, yeah. you'd, you'd go and work with the other people. Yeah, absolutely. There's mm-hmm. one second. Right. Gives us one more just for good luck. <laughs> There's probably the neighbor running their dog out the back garden and he's just like, get my then. I'm so lucky. My dog, right, for his breed, he's so he's a shepherd. I, he's crossed with uh, an English Bull Terrier and apparently 5% Cocker Spaniel and he doesn't bark. Like he's the quietest shepherd I have ever worked with. You've the- got a unicorn. Yeah, don't don't get me wrong. If the Amazon man or whatever turns up at the door, that's his time, and I I actually encourage that because that's a need he that's a need he has. And yeah. I lived in and I lived in East London for eleven years, so you get all sorts of people turning up to your door. Um, so for him, he does that, but then I can quiet him down, and he'll go somewhere else and get snack. You know. Yeah. So for him, it's great. But yeah, I don't have barking for me is just a non-negotiable thing. I can't deal with it. I goes through me and mm. you know I think Otis my spaniel has got uh your dog's German shepherd in him um because <laughs> any any dog that comes past the balcony is like definitely definitely my problem and yeah. he just that's that hyper vigilance he just he knows that dog's coming 15 minutes before they left their house you know <laughs> like, I'm ready and with his watch yeah. Right. <laughs> and and he's the one, like, so I met him a few months into his life and going back to the sleep for a second, like by the time I met him, he was so bad at regulating his emotions mm. because he was so sleep deprived. It actually did take me two and a half years mm-hmm. to get back on track. Yeah. And that's, that, that's what can happen. And that was, Without sounding like a, a, I'm going to sound like a dickhead when I say it, but like, that's me, right? <laughs> I, I knew what I was doing. And, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I still, and it still took me that long. And we're really, really happy because this week we've been able to wean his medication down, mm-hmm. down to just one pill a day, yeah. um, which has been a yeah three-year process at this point. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And that was stemmed from the first six months of his life being emotionally dysregulated. Yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? Because if you, I mean, guess take, taking it back to puppies, if you're lucky enough to get your dog at puppy, you know, when, when you can still shape that little brain, sleep is so important, isn't it? Like in, ter- in terms of how their brain is wired for life, that's yeah. your, that, in those early weeks, that's it. The, the, they have they have way too many synapses and they're deciding their little brain is deciding which ones to keep, which ones to lose. You don't necessarily, well, we don't, we don't believe that you can get any of that back, you know? So like that's, that's that little brain that's anything after that, you're looking at behavior mode, aren't you? It's not necessarily that you can shape them um, in terms of brain development. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Like where you, that stage of their life, um, is so critical to their development. And it's not, we don't want to like panic anybody because it's not like it's completely yeah. too late or anything like that, but there will always be an element 
of management and work involved yep. to if we've got the agenda of changing that dog after mm-hmm. that period. Yeah, exactly. It's like the it's like that phrase critical socialization. I actually hate it. Yeah. I was, refu- everyone, I was refusing to use it as well. Yeah, I hate it because everyone's like, oh, 16 to 20, you know, like up to 20 weeks or whatever. I don't even know what it is now. Mm. It changes, doesn't it? And I'm just like, not really. It's not a door that suddenly shuts. No. And you can no longer do anything with your puppy. You can still mold that little puppy. You can still make them enjoy stuff. <laughs> you know, it, it's yeah. not just that the... Yeah, and I think you're right. I think it does panic people when they hear that phrase, critical socialization, because it's... It isn't a door that just slams shut. No, at it's all. A, it's a it's a window um, that is probably always going to remain ajar. But mm. and it is influential. There's no denying that it's influential. Mm. But it's you know if it if it if you couldn't change the behaviour after that critical period, well, mm. there'd be no dog trainers taking dogs on after yeah. that age. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just things like they're you know like they're. Um, you know, when they get into adulthood and like their extinction memories isn't as as adaptive. So like mm-hmm. anything that happens after six months, for example, that it's more likely that that will become a hardwired fear memory rather than if it happens before six months, puppies tend to be able to bounce back a bit easier from it. So yeah. in terms of uh, like emotional, like you're saying, emotional regulation, and all of those things, that's the sort of stuff you want to get in early. You know, if you're lucky enough to get your puppy before that age, which I wasn't. Either. <laughs> well, that, I think, you know, to bring it back onto puppies for a second, like, mm. correct me if I'm wrong, but like, or just maybe, I'm, I don't even think this is a question, but fuck it, we can just bounce off me. But like, when I'm, when we're working with a puppy, um, we're going to s- explain to people that communication is about listening to your dog's body language and building up a repertoire of behaviors that you're going to find really useful in your life. Mm-hmm. So it's not really about obedience, it's about, just yep. skill building, being able to communicate your needs while listening to theirs at the same time. Mm-hmm. And that's really important. But, and then the other thing with puppyhood is what do I need to do to get that dog to be able to be an emotionally stable being mm-hmm. by the time they're adolescent so, they're, so that they've got a good chance of then getting through that horrible adolescent stage Yeah, without the shit really hit in the fan. Yeah. Yeah, too. And I think the word socialization we need to change. <laughs> um, I, I prefer the word I prefer the word familiarization because socialization to people sounds like your dog's going to a party. You know, like it's like, oh I've got to go out and be really, really social. But actually it's not it's not really about being social with every single dog, every single person. You know, it's about just exactly what you said, really, what does your dog need to cope with? and be able to ignore even or just blow it off you know whatever it is and they're going to see every single day not really any reaction to it you know just yeah, yeah okay i can deal with that let's just keep walking it's fine they don't need to be happy to see every single dog every single person um that's where i see a lot of problems is over socialization yeah they try to turn everything into christmas and birthdays and hanukkah mm. or once like it's <laughs> This, all these different like parties like it's like yes somebody's here it's like do you want your dog to react that way in yeah. six months mm-hmm. because that's what you're teaching them and yeah. then you end up with these like what goes up must come down and if you're constantly spiking the adrenaline levels that high they're going to crash mm. 
And then you're yeah. going to get overtired. And I don't, I know we're banging on about sleep a lot today, but sleep's important. We're not mm. talking about physically tired. We're talking about adrenal fatigue, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're burnt out. Like you're, you, you, you know, you use yeah. the term <laughs> with your, uh, you use the thing like with your kids, uh, not your kids, but your client's kids. Um, how, you know, if you don't put them down for a nap, they're going to be mm-hmm. terrorists. Um, in Sydney, the, the, and with dogs that are late, like later on in life, uh, as adults and adolescents, the term I often use is because obviously Sydney life is city life and people are burnt out because of their jobs and because of all these commitments. Yeah. Like, so they can relate to it that way where they're like, oh man, I'm, I'm absolutely knackered. I'm going to go, uh, running and then I'm going to go party or weekend, but I'm still knackered yeah. and they're going to keep burning through. And I'm like, yeah, but that's what you're asking your puppy to do. And you don't, you don't need, you know, the consequence mm. It's going to be fallout. Totally. And also you, we talked about like managing the people's expectations, actually managing your puppy's expectations is if not a little bit more important. So yeah. You, if you're walking down the street and your puppy gets to meet every single dog and every single person just through that socialization period, whilst the brain is learning which synapses not to, you know, leave, yeah, and, and they're turning into that little dog, you're literally telling them, and they're getting all those feel good chemicals every time they meet that person, meet that dog. When you no longer want to meet a person and a dog, and you've, which is ninety percent of the time, you've got to keep walking. Yeah, that dog wants to go and meet every single person, every single dog. So then you end up with that frustration that builds up. And that's when you see that barky lungy behavior, yeah. which we then get a call for. Um, yeah. And they're like, oh, my dog's aggressive because he's on leading, he's barking and lunging at people. And it's like, well, it's most likely that you let him meet everybody when he was younger. And now he wants to do that. And he's just telling you that. <laughs> yeah. Like, and, you know, for practical things that people could take away today, you know, that word socialization, I completely agree. Like it's, I've, I've, I say this a lot and this won't be the first time any listeners have heard this, but like, I've, I've never met a dog owner that has said to me, socialization is not important, mm. but I've never met one that knows what it is. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the, if we think about it, like some, a really simple way I'll try to explain that to somebody is like, when you're walking down the street, think about what is socially appropriate. Mm-hmm. Don't create the guy on the street giving out free hugs, not wearing signs. Yeah. 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 It's so true. Walk no. past. Walk past. Like, yes, your dog can look at them, but how about don't be the space invader? And yeah. that word social means like socially appropriate. Like, walk mm. past and teach them when you see a dog and you see a person, engage your puppy, teach them to walk past. You can, when the time's right, you can always give the pup, give the, give them back to the puppy, you know, or give them, mm-hmm. let them introduce. But if you've created, like you said, the default is C puppy, C person charge, mm. it, it's going to be really hard to reverse down the track. It's not impossible again, but it's it's not easy either. And we need to stop the puppy bothering as well. So that's a big one. We were talking about that. Oh my god, we were talking about that this week in in my puppy club, and um, I was just sort of saying to them. Do not be afraid to advocate for your puppy. Say yeah. no. It's really important that you do not let the puppy botherers run yeah. up and untrain your dog. And the very next day, one of one of the ladies posted this outfit that she'd made for her dog that said, ignore my puppy. We are in training for her Labrador. It's like a little high-vis vest. I was like, yeah. proudest moment, proudest trainer moment. 
And she's like, I'm so happy that you, you know, you gave us the confidence because I think people need to know a reason why they're, they believe yeah. they've been rude to other people, you know, because everyone feels that they have the right to, you know, touch a puppy. Oh, there's a puppy. I'm going over to say hi to the puppy. And then when you say no, you feel like a party pooper or you yeah. feel rude. And people really don't want to be that person, but it's giving your clients the confidence to be that person. Yeah, because- absolutely. Like even, um, and this is um, really, uh, really like subtle, but like another way you can advocate for them is you don't actually have to necessarily say no. Mm. Something as simple as like where you position them, at, yeah. like say you're at a cafe, like positioning them out uh, away from the footpath and uh, in, so that you're in between. Mm. That's a really quiet way so that you, I mean, if somebody's going to lean across your lap, <laughs> it's much easier to say no. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, yeah. I guess because I train with the therapy dogs and assistance dogs so yeah. these little these little puppies have to be able to ignore a lot of people um yeah, yeah. so it, and it's just yeah the advocation for your puppy and stopping those people untraining your puppy could it just cannot be overstated no no could not agree more i think that is a really great time to wrap up we have covered so many topics it's been absolutely awesome chatting away to you so thank you so much for coming on today really enjoyed it you're welcome thank you very much thanks so much for listening that's it for this week guys if you ever want to ask questions give feedback or just provide some suggestions regarding the podcast find me on ian shivers dog advocate on instagram i'll be happy to help if you're feeling really generous leave us a review on whatever platform it is that you're listening to this podcast on and if you want to nerd out more with us then find our sponsors because they're the ones that make all of this possible see you next week This episode is sponsored by Canine Caregivers. I've had so many people reach out to me over the years, not knowing where to turn to online for reliable and consistent advice on how to raise a healthy and happy dog. The information out there is hard to navigate. It's hard to know who to trust and who not to trust. And frankly, some of it is just downright dangerous. That's why we created Canine Caregivers, a place where you can come and get educational resources and access a supportive community founded on the care approach for people just like you, whether you've just brought a dog into your life or you've got a dog that is experiencing some unwanted behaviors. The content is updated regularly and we constantly keep in touch with our members to make sure that we are bringing relevant and up-to-date content that truly matters to you. There's different tiers of membership for different needs. So you can be sure that you don't have to break the bank to access the information that can literally make all the difference to the quality of life between you and your dog. Head to caninecaregivers.com.au to learn more.